the Suns. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court. You hear it straight from a Suns player with Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing, Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair, that's americaroofingco.com. Suns lose to the Denver Nuggets last night by a score of 126 to 97. And as part of that, Saban Lee, the player of the Suns, had acquired, signed a 10 day contract to just in the last 24 hours or so. 15 minutes, 8 points last night. And he joins us right now on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Saban, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing real well. Now, normally Gambo asks the first question. I'm taking this one because if there's okay. a if there's a list right now of famous Corona del Sol Aztec graduates, you're probably fifth on that list, and I'm like 38th. So I just want you to, said I, yesterday you were higher than him. No, I did not. You I said never you said were a more nope. famous no, graduate no, of no, Corona no. del Sol. Saban Lee's got me by a country does, mile. Huh? I'm okay. in like the top 50, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, but you're, def- you're definitely in like the top five or six, yeah. Saban. So, so just one, one Aztec to another. And he uh, walked the same holes as you. Got to stick together. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. He walked the same Aztec holes alum, that you together. We, we alum got to especially since we were saddled with the ugliest colors in the history of high school. Oh, what were your colors? Orange and yellow. Oh, that's bad. Oh, it's terrible. Yellow. <laughs> so bad. You'll, so know, bad. you'll know when we're coming, though. You'll see us from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's you guys true. Might have had same some of the same teachers. Uh, no, probably not. Probably not. No, there's, there's like a 25 year difference a, there. Yeah, I'm class of '89. Uh, oh my we're, goodness! We're, there's a yeah. big, huge. Right now, Steve yeah. is laughing. He's like, 17. "Oh my god, you're 17." <laughs> yeah, yeah, big, yeah. big age gap. Uh, how did it feel to get on the floor last night for the Sun, Saban? Uh, it felt really good, you know. I was grateful for the opportunity. I'm excited to be here and just, um, you know, just taking it one day at a time. So it was really, it was a nice experience for sure. How about the experience in Philadelphia with, with, with some of the injuries that they had in the backcourt with Harden and Tyrese Maxey? You got an opportunity to to play a couple of games and to be there. What what was that like for you to get that experience? Um, yeah, it was great. Um, you know, just having the opportunity over there in Philly. Um, obviously, with people hurt, it was it was, um, it was nice being able to get a couple minutes here and there um, at an NBA game and just um, continue to try and um, show what I can do. And then, you know, obviously, you end up back with the the Raptors 905, Toronto's G League affiliate. Kind of like a whirlwind, right? Start with Phoenix, then you go to Philly, Toronto. I mean, you back and forth a bunch of different places. What's that like for a young guy trying to make it in the NBA? Um, I mean, I guess it's, I mean it's kind of what I signed up for. To be honest, just just trying to make it an NBA. It's 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 a, it's a tough league, um, and you know, just being able to adapt to different situations. Um, obviously, I moved around a lot, and just being able to perform in different um, situations, different scenarios, um, just being adaptable. So I feel like that's something that definitely helped me. Um, through- this year for sure you had an opportunity earlier in the preseason with the phoenix suns it does it mean a little something extra to you to play for what is basically your hometown team or or were the suns your favorite team as a kid growing up does that resonate with you at all saban for sure, yeah, definitely. Be growing up in Arizona, um, going to some games with my dad, um, and just being from 
being from Phoenix, that, that is definitely uh, hit, hits home for me for a sense. But, I mean, playing the NBA is definitely a dream of mine, but obviously playing for a home team is, is, is uh, it's special for sure. You talked about kind of the grind that you have to go through, you know, G League and, and 10-day contracts and things like that. I, it, I would imagine for you, this is the dream, this is the vision, and you're going you're gonna to do whatever it takes to try to make it a reality to stick in the NBA as long as you possibly can? Sure. Sorry, you said that last part, it went out a little bit. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no, I just, it, the, the commitment you have to sticking around in the NBA as long as you possibly can. I mean, there's always the lure of, like, European basketball, international basketball. What's your level of commitment to sticking around and trying to make the NBA work as best as you possibly can? Because obviously you've been doing a lot of hopping around. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to want to make it work out. Um, the NBA is a, a dream of mine, and I feel like it, it, it could be a reality for sure to just stick in the league and, and find a find a home somewhere. Um, but yeah, just, just continue to grind it out um, until that happens. Can, can you allow yourself to get too high or, or not allow yourself to get too low? You start with Detroit, then you with the Sixers and the Suns, but then, you know, we talk about the G League spots with the Delaware Blue Coats and the Raptors 905 and, you know, being signed, being waived, signing with somebody else. How do you, how do you handle that to not get, you know, too high if you're playing great or too low when you find yourself looking for a new team? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would just say, you know, going through it definitely helps um, deal with that. And then I'm, I'm pretty um, serious in my faith, so that definitely helps keep me stable. Um, but, yeah, just, just, I mean, going through things, like you said, getting waived, traded, um, being on different teams, it kind of puts you in that mindset of not getting too high, getting too low, but just continue to strive and, and take, take each day for what it is and trying to uh, be better than you, you were yesterday. So that's kind of my mindset about going about things. Yeah, I was looking at just some of the numbers, you know, when you were in Delaware and the, the games you played in, 25 points per game, but knocking down 41% of your threes uh, on the on the attempts that you have. Uh, when you look at that part of your game, how much emphasis are you putting on, on working on that three-point shot to stay in this league? Yeah, for sure. That's definitely a big um, aspect of um, improvement for me. Um, especially like in the league um, for guards and I feel like I've done a lot of work with that this offseason just continue to make strides and just trying to um, showcase that now so that uh, people can see that how Saban Lee joining us from the Phoenix Suns just added to the team on a 10-day contract, obviously, with with so many injuries and, and the Suns you know, needing help right now, turning to Saban Lee with the Suns going to Minnesota for a game on Friday. What, what have they told you your role is going to be? Obviously, we saw you last night. What, what, sort of, what sort of role do you expect to fill now during the course of this 10-day contract, Saban? Um, I mean, I, I don't really expect anything. I would say just whatever opportunity that I'm given, um, just going out there trying to um, compete on both ends of the floor, um, impact the game in a positive manner, and really just doing whatever the coaching staff wants me to do. Um, just, that's that's what I want to uh, show that I can do, that I can apply what the coaching staff wants to do, want players to do, um, execute schemes. Um, and, yeah, that, that, that's really what I'm trying to display and, and do while, while I'm here. Is this a tough situation for a player in your circumstances to walk into with all the injuries and, and everything, or is any opportunity in this league one that you just embrace no matter what the circumstances are around it? Um, I feel like, yeah, it can be. Um, but obviously, I'm good for any opportunity. And, I mean, especially here with this coaching staff and the group of guys, and um, it, it makes it really, really easy to be honest. It's a great, great team. 
great organization, um, great coaching staff, and just, just the people here. That, that makes it real easy, real welcoming. Um, so that definitely helps a lot, I would say. All right. Uh, our, uh, the, we Corona grads, we got to stick together, Saban. So thank you very much for your appreciate time. We appreciate it. All right. Good luck this season. No, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Thank, thank you. Saban Lee joining us here on the Burns. What's the chances that, that he had some of the same teachers as you? Any chance? Um, are you asking specifically, could he have had the same teacher Any that chance that he could have the National Honor Society because I was caught teacher. plagiarizing on a paper? No, no. I'm just saying 89. What did he say? He graduated 17. in 17. So that's a 28-year difference. So if there was a teacher you had that was like 30... A very, very and was, young teacher. ...that was 30 years old and still teaching at 58, maybe you, had this, maybe you would have had the same teacher. Probably not. No, I, I think there's a chance. I'm just... I'm like trying to jog my memory to think if there would have been a teacher or two. There's a teacher or two I could think of that would have been young enough that maybe they're still there. Mm-hmm. How about maybe. the teacher that busted you for plagiarism? Well, that's what, that teacher see, still there? That's where I thought you were going for. No, right? I wasn't going there. I, 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 I thought the, you were the trying, trying to figure so. out if maybe, if maybe she would yeah, have been around, she's too. still there. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, there was a, a teacher at uh, Corona, won't say who, um, who busted me for plagiarism, kept me out of the National <laughs> Honor Society. <Man. laughs> and she wasn't wrong. I wasn't maliciously trying to plagiarize. It was kind of like an accidental plagiarism, but she... Uh, she got me and was your dad chief of police then? No, he was assistant chief then. Assistant chief. <laughs> oh, I would have had her. I would have had so many t- tickets given to her. <laughs> I would have I would have died. I, I would have she would have been pulled over every time she drove. <laughs> no way, man. You're going twenty in a school district, it's only fifteen. That's a ticket. What do you mean it's only five miles of a ticket right there? <laughs> your taillights out. No, it's not. Now it is. Uh, now I'm supposed to be driving with a smashed taillight. That's yep. really funny. Yeah. Join us today. We're gonna be here until six thirty. Uh we are here at Sanderson Ford as we can off the big red rig giveaway giving away prizes and we'll have a very special guest adrian cardinals offensive lineman will hernandez will be here on site as well there is no gm the starting quarterback is likely going to miss the start of the season the team may trade away their best wide receiver how desirable is the job in arizona we'll talk about that next burns and gambo and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, on this Thursday afternoon here. We're live from Sanderson Ford. Big red rig. Big red rig. There it is. Been stumbling on that all Look day. That thing. Giveaways coming up later today here from the dealership. So we've got yeah. that coming Custom up. built Ford F-150. Somebody's going to drive away in that thing tonight. So if you're driving home around 6 o'clock tonight, you may see somebody driving this big red rig. They just want it. That person, they want it. And drive right out of the dealership. This is a great place to come if you're looking for it. matter of fact, I had a friend uh, text me today. His daughter wants a Bronco. Uh, so they're, they're working with uh, Sanderson Ford to get themselves into a Bronco. So if you need a Bronco or a Mustang, great selection. New inventory arriving daily here at Sanderson Ford. You want to order a vehicle, you can order a vehicle here with no deposit required. So if you're looking at some vehicles, you want to have it ordered for you custom, just come on into Sanderson Ford. You can go online as well, SandersonFord.com. When talking about job openings mm. in the NFL, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Some people will look at a team and say, that's a great situation, that's a great market, that's a great this, that's a great that. Some people will look at the quarterback, some people will look at, uh, there's a, a hundred different factors and variables Very true. Get, right? Mm-hmm. On the 33rd Teams podcast featuring former NFL players Joe Thomas and Mitchell Schwartz, 
beauty in the eye of the beholder, they don't feel the Arizona Cardinals job is very beautiful. I don't know that it's super desirable. Um, you know, Kyler just got injured. He just had surgery a week ago. I'm not going to, you know, bank on having Kyler at all this year. And if he does come back, I just don't think he's going to be the same Kyler. And whether, you know, 5'9", 5'10", Kyler Murray can be more of a true pocket passer uh, in his year coming back from an ACL surgery. I don't see it, and so I think this year's a bit of a wash. Mitchell Schwartz and Joe Thomas, both former yeah. All-Pro offensive tackles in this league, mm-hmm. obviously. So there's if they're not just two media guys yapping, they're two former players who are yapping on this podcast. But I'll play one more, and then we'll react to what Mitchell okay. Schwartz had to say. Here's another one about the financial situation he thinks doesn't look great either. Finance-wise, I don't know that they have the cleanest cap uh, in the future. You know, they were kind of in a weird like win-now mode. Um, they signed a bunch of veterans and. It's just kind of a strange situation with the cap and the yeah, ownership doesn't really seem to be that great in terms of you know building a stable franchise. And so I'm not sure as a head coach you'd look at that situation and be super psyched to go there. What do you think of that? I think it's legitimate concerns. I wouldn't bash any of that. Is ownership committed to winning? You could question that. I think they're more committed than the previous ownership. You know, I think Michael's more committed than his dad was. Um, but is he committed uh, amongst like like the top teams in the league are? And we have, we have to find that out. I don't know the answer to that. Some people might say yes. Some people would say no. The Kyler thing is real. I mean, he might not be the same when he comes back. We don't know. We don't know. Um, the cap window, I'm not so worried about that. That's the only one I'm not worried about. Let me tell you why. Okay. Nobody's coming here and, and, and thinking that I'm going to take this job and I have to everything, have everything fixed in one year. The cap, over, the, the, over a few years, the cap will work itself out. It will. You'll get off of the dead money. Contracts will expire. You'll move, you could fix the cap situation. Okay, it may not be a, a quick fix, but it's not a five-year fix. Okay, it's a two year fix to fix the cap if you really work at it and you can do a lot of damage this year. Look, J.J. Watts leaving. And if you trade DeAndre Hopp, you could do things. So the cap thing is the least concern. The Kyler Murray thing is real because they talked about it. Can a five nine guy be a pocket passer? We don't know. We've never seen him do it. We've never seen him do it. Does he lose his athleticism with the ACL injury? He might. We just don't know. So that's a legitimate concern. And then the ownership thing is a legitimate concern. How committed is Michael to wanting to win? Now, I'll tell you this. If he goes out there and he hires Sean Payton, we've talked about it. That's 15 to $20 million. Sure. Like, that would tell me a lot about an owner being committed to winning. If you're going to fire Cliff and pay him about seven and a half a year for four years not to be here, and then you're going to go hire Sean Payton and pay him 15 to $20 million, that would tell me that you're committed to winning because yeah. you spent that money on him. Yeah, it's it's. I keep saying this, but it's you know this Robert Sarver-type moment that Michael has in front of him is the, kind of the same dilemma Robert Sarver was faced with when he hired Monty Williams. And I'll never... It's funny, we're, we're here on remote. We're doing the show from Sanderson Ford. I can remember exactly where we were doing our show from the day they hired Monty Williams because it left such an impression on me. It, it marked such a change in philosophy for the Suns organization where you know we would question Robert Sarver's true desire to win was he he wanted to but was he willing to do what it took to get there right was he did he understand what it took to get there hiring Monty Williams was that okay yeah he does he's he's kind of figured it out I'm going to step back I'm going to pay him a lot of money and then what happened after they did that they, they won. won 
They won. They won. They made it to the NBA Finals. They had the best record in the NBA last year. They've been a winning organization. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying Sean Payton is the only remedy to prove that Michael is committed to winning, but certainly it would be the most obvious, like, hey, guys, I gave up multiple draft picks and I'm paying him $20 million a year. What else am I supposed to do? Kind of thing, right? I think... The biggest, if we're going to say what are the biggest question marks about the Cardinals job, it is without question, Kyler. Like, like the, to me, like yeah. if, we're, if we're doing a power poll of reasons why this is not a desirable job, in some ways, the presence of Kyler makes it one of the most and also one of the least desirable jobs in the NFL. And we've talked about this a couple days. Peyton likes him. If you, if you, right. If you like Kyler, if you think Kyler's the legit quarterback in this league, it's a great job because you've got him. He's locked in, signed, done. You don't have to search for your franchise quarterback. If you are uncertain that Kyler can be, you might not like this job because you might be locked into a guy you don't want to be locked into. You brought that point up yesterday about Houston. In some ways, I love that job. The Houston job might be more appealing to some, yeah, because they don't have a quarterback. They can start from grand ground zero, and they're in a great position to draft one this year, or one you know probably next year they, too, with all the draft pick capital that they have. They got cap space. They got plenty of draft plenty. picks. Plenty. Somebody called it. I can't remember who. Somebody called it a sneaky good job in the NFL. I think it's a great job. I know you've said this for a couple of days now, but it's the quarterback thing. It just depends on how you feel about Kyler. And I think that will in some ways dictate who the Cardinals head coach is going to be because you've got to believe in him to take the job. All things being equal, who would you say he's going to have a better year next year, Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson. Take into account the amount of games that Kyler is going to miss. Say he misses two games or three games and comes back. Who's going to have a better year? Honestly, Who would you count on? I think Russell Wilson. I would count on that, too. I think Russell Wilson. I think because, man, that last game, he was back to being Russell Wilson in that final game of the season Yeah, with Hackett gone. Yeah, I just think the journey for him to get to where he needs to be is a lot shorter than Kyler's journey. Kyler's got a... He's got some work to do, right? Both physically, mentally, continuing to study the game, kind of reinventing his game. This time a year ago, Russell Wilson was considered one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I can't imagine he's cooked already. I'm going to throw this on you, and I hate to do this because you may not remember. You've sent something today about an anonymous player that had said something about Kyler. It was actually from Mitch, our producer. Okay. Who... Yeah, you're glad you remembered it because I wasn't. <laughs> uh, I can find it here if you just give yeah, me. A, I think it was an anonymous Cardinals current player who had something to say about, uh, and it wasn't very... Um, this was a story from Michael Silver. Okay, Michael Silver. Formerly of the NFL Network, NFL.com. It was very flattering. That's right. what it was. No, like, flattering. It's definitely not flattering. Not flattering. Um, one Cardinals veteran I spoke to last Sunday, quote, it was like they created a monster, close quote, when they gave Kyler the contract extension. Once paid, he felt less compulsion to study his game plan or fulfill the expectations of the franchise quarterback position. An anonymous Cardinals veteran, quote, it was like they created a monster. That was from Michael Silver on Valley Sports website. Yeah. Yeah, that's damning right there, right? I mean, now the player didn't put his name to it, but we do know that it's a current player. It's a player. That said, they created a monster. And it wasn't just they created the monster part. It was like once he got that money, he just wasn't compelled to study, wasn't compelled to do those. But that could be part of that could be on Cliff too. I mean, a new coach comes in and if it is Sean Payton, you know, 
he's not going to put out like Kyle, like if Kyler Murray's not going to study and not going to be uh, determined to be a great quarterback in this league, he's not going to last very long, no matter what the contract is. The Phoenix Suns scuffling spread very thin. Is there anything that they can look forward to in the days ahead to get them out of this? We'll talk all things Suns with our own Kellen Olson. He'll join us next on Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with, jeez, uh, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Suns lose last night to the Denver Nuggets as their road trip continues. Second night of a back-to-back, very much a schedule loss in many ways. I mean, beyond the fact that they were missing so many of their guys, the second night of a back-to-back in Denver is always, always tough. The road trip continues tomorrow night. They're in Minnesota. It concludes on MLK Day when they take on Memphis, and then they're back home. And joining us right now for our weekly visit with our Suns insider from ArizonaSports.com, he is Kellen Olson, and he joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Kellen, how you doing? Thanks for your time today, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so I'm looking at the Athletics mock draft. Phoenix Suns, 16th. Jed Howard, 6'8", wing player out of Michigan. There it is. I just did that to piss Burns you off. Oh, it's going to piss Kellen off, yeah. too. So it's, it's a double-barrel it double shotgun of pissing when, people off here. Gambo. When by Yama, Henderson lead the class. Whitmore Miller emerge in the top five. Suns picking 16th. Getting the kid out of Michigan. I'm not saying yeah, it's time guys. to look at mock drafts, but I will say this about the bad season that they have and the benefit, right, because they, they have held on to their draft pick, and it may end up being a pretty good pick. Yeah, uh, believe me, Bernsey is right. I do not want to go back to the days of watching college basketball tape and telling you guys about guys I like in the 30s and the 40s on the second round and then giving you a background on how their catch-and-shoot three-point percentages are. I'm good with not going back to that time in my life that we were at five years ago. Uh, yeah, it's good that they're keeping their pick, but honestly, it should be front foot forward trying to not only stay in a playoff spot but just make some noise because I think it would be a different story right now, guys, if we were in some different Western conferences a couple years ago. You kind of think about the juggernauts that like the Rockets were with Chris Paul and James Harden and then the, all those Warriors teams. You're looking up top of the West and kind of really struggling to see a, 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 a kind of path for a team like the Suns right now where they are to winning the West, but I don't see anyone as a juggernaut emerging in the West right now. So if they can just get healthy, play some good basketball for the last six weeks and find a rhythm again, they're still in a fine spot to potentially make some noise. I know we started the show with this and I told Burns, yeah, I think the path to winning it, I think that's over now. I mean, you look at the you're nine games behind Denver and Memphis in the loss column. Nine games behind them. And there's only 39 games left. So I think that's unrealistic to think that way. But then you start looking at can you catch Charlotte? Can you get to three? Can you get to four or five? In New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. You said Charlotte. Oh, Charlotte. Uh, <laughs> Sacramento. I meant Sacramento. Sacramento, okay. Yeah. I meant Sacramento. Can you catch Sacramento? Can you catch New Orleans? I mean, you know, that's some of the things. I think they put themselves in such a big hole right now that there definitely are teams in the West that they're not going to catch. No, I don't think so. I think what I'm looking at more than anything else is the start of February because it seems like from a timing perspective with the injuries and what we know about them, 
that that's when you should have everyone back. Now, everyone, knock on wood, listening at home in your car, if you got some wood around, wherever, knock on everything that the Suns don't have another injury come up, and then hopefully they can be at a point where they're full strength here in a couple of weeks because that's 10 games later, and now you're talking about, okay, there's 30 games left in the season. Can you go... 5, 10, 15 games over 500, somewhere in there, because it was only an eight-game sample size, but that new starting lineup with Cam Johnson was destroying teams for the limited amount of time we saw. So can you find a groove there? Again, finish 5 to 10 games over 500 for a 30-game stretch, and then find yourself in that 3 to 6 range, depending on what happens with some of these other teams. I don't think it's completely out of, out of the question. They're not, they're not completely screwed right now, but they do have to be looking at it like, okay, once we get fully healthy, we got to get going. we we gotta We got to start to really put some wins together now yeah that seems to be the window for me too is is three to six i, I mean th- it one to two seems ambitious maybe a little overly so I, I think as long as you're within arm's length of whoever's at five or six and you start to get guys back i think you're in a fine spot i i think you'll be a-okay as long as a you don't lose anybody else to injury and b whoever's sitting at five or six or even four doesn't get too far ahead of you if you're you're still within three or four games. I think you're in an okay spot. Have you? I know we had James Jones on the show yesterday. At this point, Kellen, are you even comfortable guessing when we might start to see some of these bodies back for the Suns? I, I do feel comfortable with the limited information we have, which which is not a lot. Uh, DeAndre Aiden and Landry Sham are both under the day-to-day category. James Jones told you guys on your show, like maybe looking at Friday early next week. So it seems like they're in a path where they should at the latest be back with it within a week. It, it does feel safe based on the information we had that there. Now, Chris Paul, as you guys know, we, we hardly get any information on his injuries in terms of a timetable. He's usually filed under day-to-day, and then that's all we really know. That's all we know about Chris Paul's injury right now, so we'll see on him. The reevaluation date for campaign, I believe, is coming up in nine days, and then I think we're 15 days out or uh, 13 days out, sorry, from Devin Booker's reevaluation date. Again, those are not return dates. They are reevaluation dates. So, again, kind of circling February, but some of those returnees will really start to help. You kind of have to say it out loud to realize how shorthanded right now they are. If we were assuming that Jay Crowder would, would be doing his job and playing basketball for the team that's paying him to, the Suns would be down seven of their top eight players right now. That, that That's really the holder. And Mikel Bridges is the only guy you can look at right now who is playing, who would feasibly factor in to the playoff rotation. That, that's the type of bodies that they're missing right now. So any return will help at this point. And then, of course, if we're talking about February, that's the trade deadline coming up. You add another body there, assuming they get a Jay Crowder deal done, and, and you're on the upswing. Let me let me hit something that's right in your real house. There was a, a ringer story asking if the Phoenix Suns were cooked and whether the championship window is closed. And they spent a good deal of it talking about Chris Paul, saying he's making threes at a 40% clip, still has an elite assist-to-turnover ratio, but far from the player who's a worthy All-NBA selection the past two years. This new older Paul already has missed 14 games with a heel injury, with more to come as hip issues persist. When he has played, he's posted career lows in points per game, two-point field goal percentage, free throw percentage, adjusted true shooting percentage, all stuff that's right up your uh, your alley. How much of the struggles of the Phoenix Suns do you think are with Chris Paul declining in age? 
I think they have a lot to do with it, and, and not to put it solely on him, but just the way that the team is kind of constructed and, and the way that certain uh, responsibilities are handed to certain guys. When Chris Paul is playing like this, it puts even more on guys that's played. And I think coming into the year, we were already talking about Chris Paul playing in a reduced role, and we saw it. But now it's kind of happening for different reasons, where he's just not capable of being that guy night in and night out. I, I do think that it's overblown to say that they are cooked again. I think that a lot of this conversation, if we were talking about a Suns team at the Eastern Conference and they had to go through Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston, Cleveland, like I think that the majority of the heavy hitters right now are in the East. I would be feeling a lot differently about saying that they're cooked this year. But in, in the West, you've still got relatively unproven teams at the top in terms of Denver and Memphis and New Orleans. They are really, really good teams, don't get me wrong. But in terms of serious playoff success, we haven't seen it for those groups, whereas the Suns have made the finals. And then you've got the Warriors and the Clippers more so in the bottom half. And we're talking about the Kings as this great story. They haven't been to the playoffs for a really long time. None of those guys have playoff experience, so I'm not sweating them necessarily. Dallas is the other team in the equation as well, but... Until that sort of gets sorted out and until we're at the point in like, say we're in mid-March and the Suns are still playing kind of 500 basketball when everyone is back healthy, that's when you start to really say, okay, they're probably done for this year. But until we see them fully healthy and get them for a couple of weeks and see how this full uh, play to players actually looks together, that's when I'll be able to make more strong declarations. Yeah, the the interesting thing is that they were once you know one of the best mid you know mid range shoot, jump shooting teams in the league. Now they're like twentieth. They're not knocking those down, but I'm still continuing to be baffled by the inability to get to the free throw line. I mean, even last night after the first quarter, K raised yep, no free throws for the Suns. This team and and some fans may get mad at the officials, but they're just not aggressive around the basket. They do not get to the free throw line at all. And that's 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 going to be a killer for this team going forward. It is, and it has been for the last two seasons. They've been, I believe, either 29th or 30th in free throw rate for three straight years now, counting this year as well, the rate that they get to the free throw line. And that's just been a weakness of this roster for a long time. And they've made up for it with what you were referencing earlier, which is that they were just extremely efficient from the mid-range, and then they knocked down their threes, and they moved the ball really well. It's just a turnover ratio as a team was always excellent. But when you take one of those factors out of the equation, like their efficiency from the mid-range, all of a sudden it really tanks the offense because they're not getting to the line as many other teams do. They need that second or third guy. That Gambo, I think that if anyone is looking for a specific skill for the Suns to acquire, it's, it's obviously someone as a scorer in the trade deadline, but preferably a scorer that gets to the line because if anyone is, is somewhat proficient at getting to the line and they come into the Suns, they're going to be either second or first on this team in free throws per game because that's how much they're lacking and need a skill set like that. All right, Kellen, leave us with this because this just came down in the last 10 minutes or so. Brian Windhorst was on ESPN, and you mentioned the trade deadline. He was talking about Matt Ishbia, the, the prospective incoming potential owner of the Phoenix Suns, and his attempt to gain control of the team before the trade deadline. I want to play the soundbite, then just give me your reaction to it. Meanwhile, Matt Ishbia is going to try to take control of this team within the next month. I'm not sure that the league is going to get through with their vetting process, but he's hoping to get control of the team ahead of the trade deadline so he can have a decision on who the trade is. So the, the, the Phoenix Suns front office, James Jones, is trying to help his team. He's got different people saying yes or no that he's got to sign off on. It's very, very difficult for them to get something done, not to mention the trade market's tight. What was your reaction to that, Kellen? Because I know you retweeted it. Yeah, well, the yes or no part is particularly interesting because, like, Gamble, I believe it was you who asked James Jones when we first kind of saw the story come out, like, have you had a trade get to the point where you've had it pretty much done, you've taken it to Robert Sarver, and he has said no, 
And James Jones said, no, nothing like that has happened. And until we get some concrete reporting on that specifically, that the Suns have agreed to trades, but then they haven't gotten approved by ownership, that is where I start hesitating. The front half is more interesting to me. Is it like, okay, do they want to make, do they want to wait to make a deal until it's the deal type of deal that Ishbia would pass over? And do they want to wait to see what Ishbia thinks of the specific deal? And that part to me is more interesting, but we're dealing with information here, but at the same time, it's, it's pretty speculative until we get some concrete stuff in terms of, yes, a trade has been sent to Robert Sarver's doorstep, and he has turned it down. We haven't heard that level of reporting yet until we have. I'm not going to read too much into it either way. Kellen, we appreciate the time, as always. Thank you so much. We look forward to reading your stuff at ArizonaSports.com. Always do. Thanks, guys. Glad you guys are back out of remotes again. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Us, too. Us, too. One last quick note about the Suns. DeAndre Ayton upgraded to questionable for tomorrow's game against the Timberwolves. Everybody else remains out. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the, the, uh, the final episode last night of Hard Docs on HBO. What did we learn from it? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, just real quick, I know y'all know, but they made a change. Just once again, thanks for everything today. Can't thank y'all enough for what y'all did. You deserve better than this. Get better than you had. Work your ass off. Forever indebted. If I can help y'all anyway, let me know. All right? Love y'all. Cliff Kingsbury in the uh, team's main auditorium last night on the final episode of Hard Docs addressing his coaching staff after he had been let go, after he had been told he was being let go as coach. Last night, the final episode of HBO's Hard Docs. I watched it. So did I. I, I watched did it watch this morning. It. I watched it this morning. I watched it this morning. Yeah, I was getting ready for the show. I watched it. And, you know, there was, um, you know, obviously the J.J. Watt video with, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and his brother and his wife and all that and him crying. And that was pretty emotional. And then, you know, obviously the San Francisco game with his dad and him getting the two sacks. And then, uh, obviously, they had the firing at the end, the very end. They had oh, yeah. the press conference of Michael Bidwell. And then, and then simultaneously, they had Michael Bidwell. And then they had, I think, Cliff kind of thanking the coaches and saying goodbye yep. in a different room, like going on at the same time. Michael was addressing the firing of Cliff, and Cliff was in there talking to the coaches and, you know, telling them how much he enjoyed battling with them and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I figured, okay, the last one, let me see what they have. I wanted to see what they what they would start with, what they would end with, but it was a lot of JJ Watt. It was a lot of JJ Watt, and, and at his house, at his home, with his with his uh, son, deservingly so, right? Going into his final game, um, I, I we're playing the promo right now on the station, and it makes me laugh when I when I hear it every time about how um, HBO should send a dividend check to JJ Watt for for making Hard Knocks kind of watchable this year, because really the last two or three episodes were very much centered on him and his decision to retire. Uh, Jared Carlin jokes that they should put him in next year's White Lotus as a thank you for everything he did for Hard Docs. It's funny. It makes me laugh every time we play it. I didn't watch this yet. I heard, somebody told me it's in Sicily. Yeah. The White Lotus is I, in Sicily. I, I haven't watched either. I heard it's actually much better than season one. I like season well, it has one. To be. It's in Sicily. Uh, well, of course. I mean, how could it not be what I'm saying, right? It's not in Hawaii. It's in Sicily. I love um, I do. I love Sicily. I like season one. I didn't love it, but everyone says season two is a lot better, so I, I probably need to watch White Lotus. I was... 
I think moved the most by the cliff stuff at the end. I I, I don't know. I thought they handled that really, really well. I, I liked the music. I, I liked the kind of going back and forth between Michael talking to the media, yeah, Cliff like talking that. to like his that. coaches. I thought it was funny and probably by design that a lot of Cliff in the episode he's sitting by his fire pit in the backyard. The one that was I got such a kick the one out that was that. infamously <laughs> right behind him during the draft. Yeah. It's like it's almost like the arc of Cliff Kingsbury as coach of the Cardinals. And what's the what's it, the date? The date of what? The date that that house is listed for sale. God, I don't know. No, honestly, what's the day? Not, I, mean, I don't think he's going to stay here. Well, that was not from here. I don't think he's going to stay. No, probably not. I mean, what, what, what do you got? Um, all right, if he sells it, if he sells it, yeah, I'll put the date. What do you got on the date that that's listed for sale? You know what? Let's go draft day. Let's go April twenty seventh. Why not? Right? That's the date that made that. I was this in the first place. Okay. Draft day, April 27, okay. 2023, that house goes on the market. Gotcha. And I liked how he joked in the episode. I got tomorrow. Really? <laughs> about about how he deliberately keeps the walls blank and yeah. kind of empty because like, I'm a coach, you know? You never know when you're going to leave. And they had fun with the stuffed badger that, that, was that fun, JJ yeah. got. That was One guy got spooked by it, you know? That, that was fun. I really, I really, too, I liked JJ's speech. At the end of the retirement video to the team, in which he he had that line about how man everybody I played with in high school they can't believe I made it to college. Everybody who I played with in college they can't believe I made it to the NFL. Everybody I played with in the NFL who got cut after a season or two they can't believe I've been around as long as I have. And then that speech imploring the guys to enjoy the adrenaline rush of being an NFL player because there's nothing that compares to it. Like he goes, I could go to the casino. I don't even want to know how much money I would have to gamble to match the adrenaline rush I get as an NFL player every single week. You know what my favorite part was? Hmm. What do people do in August? <laughs> when he's like, I don't know what to do in August. What do people do in August? They go on vacation. What do people do in August? I have no idea. When like when, I've never I, August has always been for, since I've been ten years old. August has been training camp. When you retire from radio, yeah. you're going to ask the same thing, but like in October. Like, what do people do in October? What do people do in October? Yeah, because because I just do a four hour show every single day of the middle football season. What what do people do right. in October? I have absolutely no idea. It was I, I heard Luke mention this earlier. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say I watched every minute of every episode. I kind of lost interest after about five. You know, or me six too. Of them. I, me too. But uh, he, I know he did watch every minute, and he pointed out something I thought was interesting. They never really had a Kyler specific episode. They never really had an episode that is very um, observant. Yeah, by observant. Luke, I by thought Luke. so. There was I, nothing on Kyler. As soon as he said it, I thought, "Wow, they never really did." You know, I mean, unless I, I, I mean, we we went. We had coffee with D-Hop. We did pottery last night. We went to JJ's house. We went to Vance's house. We went to Buddha's house. We went to Colt McCoy's house. And I know he got hurt, but we never really got that let's get to know Kyler Murray kind I was, of moment. Yeah. I was fascinated that somebody with the size of DeAndre Hopkins' hands could do pottery. <laughs> like I was fat, like really? You could do pottery with those things, with those mitts. <laughs> those mitts. <laughs> My God! Here's, you have to start over like fifteen times. Here's JJ Watt after thanking his teammates. Nobody does it alone, man. Nobody does it alone. And people give me a whole load of credit, and I'm sure you guys are sick as hearing about me for the last two weeks. And I apologize for that. But I do want you to know I appreciate you. I appreciate every conversation. I appreciate every hug. I appreciate every single guy wishing me well. 
it means a whole lot. It really does. It means I didn't do it for nothing. And I hope you take something from me. I don't know what it is. I hope you take something from me and you pass it on to somebody else. Because that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, it's about what you pass on to somebody else and the ripple effect that we create in this world. Mitch just sent a text, and he's not wrong. Yeah. If the hard knocks teams this year were flipped and the Cardinals were in the preseason and the Lions were the in-season. That would have been good. Yeah. That would have been good. I thought about this last uh, this morning. Not last night. This morning. And I actually went back to my, my tweet on March 1st of 2021. Okay. The Cardinals beat out nine teams for J.J. Watt. I kept thinking, does J.J. Watt regret his decision? He had nine teams that wanted him to sign with them. He signed with the Cardinals. The biggest competition that he had? The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills were the biggest competition. The Cardinals beat out the Bills to get J.J. Watt. According to your tweet on March 1st, 2021. Yes. When J.J. Watt signed with the Cardinals, he, he, you know, the, the Bills were the team that were in on him the most. Does he regret it? Did he make a mistake? Would he have been happier in Buffalo? More success? Chance to win a... Still playing right now? Chance to win a Super Bowl? I can only guess the answer is probably. Probably. I can only guess the answer is probably. Came to Arizona, played two years, probably doesn't regret the friendships and the the time he had, and actually played really well this year. But the team that the Cardinals beat out to get J.J. Watt was the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can only guess and to speculate that the answer is probably. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more. Returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets went on sale, but you can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. The 4 o'clock reset is next.